Well, good morning, everyone. It is good to be here with you today. How are you? Doing well? Welcome to those who are worshiping online at all of the campuses. So glad that you could be joining us today. My name is Per Nielsen. I'm the lead pastor at Community of Hope Church over in Rosemount, and I'm also the president of the Master's Institute Seminary. The Master's Institute is one of the many, many Christian endeavors that Hosanna supports, and it's just a privilege to be here sharing God's word with you today. I'd like to invite the ushers to come forward at this point in time. Uh, we're going to continue worshiping our Lord through the giving back, the returning of what the Lord has first given us. And so thank you in advance for your amazing, amazing generosity. Uh, Let me begin this morning by asking a question, and the question is this. It's a pretty straightforward one, and my guess is that it applies to many of you. Have you ever been at a point in time in life where you know that the Lord is calling you to something, but you've been hesitant to take a step toward that something? And maybe it's because there's some extra work involved. Maybe it's because of fear. Maybe it's because of the unknown hanging out there or some other pressures in life. Have you ever been at that place where you know the Lord is calling you to something, but you've been hesitant to take a step towards that something? If so, just say amen. 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 That's a lot of you. That's a lot of you. Most of us have been in that place at some point or another. I'd like to call that place a Mount Nebo moment. Could you say it with me? Mount Nebo moment. One more time. Mount Nebo moment. You're going to find out why in just a second. We're starting a new teaching series, and it's such a privilege to be able to start this teaching series with you called Peaks of Scripture. And Peaks of Scripture is going to be exploring many of the mountaintops that you find in the Bible because there are some remarkable things that take place on those mountaintops. Here's just a couple of examples. Um, Noah's Ark landed on the mountains of Ararat. We have Moses who received the Ten Commandments on the top of Mount Sinai. We have a prophet named Elijah who does battle with the prophets of Baal on the top of Mount Carmel. Jesus is transfigured on top of a mountain. I'm almost sure that that's where we get the phrase that many of us have used from time to time. It was a mountaintop experience because there's something glorious that happens on those mountaintops. Martin Luther King Jr. in the the very last speech before he was assassinated referred to mountaintops. Let me just read this for you really quickly. And he's allowed me to go to the mountain, and I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. All right, if you would, just reflect with me on the last time you were on a mountaintop. Do you remember what you saw? The grandeur, the landscape. Being confronted with the reality that in light of all creation, we're we're pretty small. Being awestruck and amazed. Wondering about your place in the larger world. How many of you encountered that place and you were absolutely speechless, if only for a moment? Absolutely mesmerized by what you were looking at. By the surroundings that you saw. A few years ago, my wife Mary and I were at a couple's retreat out in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and we took an opportunity to head to the top of Pikes Peak. 
And we took the cog rail up there. We wanted to go up for a couple of reasons. One was to see um, what the landscape was like, Pikes Peak, 14,110 uh, feet above sea level. But we also wanted to check out something else. Apparently, they have world-famous donuts on top of Pikes Peak. And that was a motivating factor, just to be honest with you. So we get up to Pikes Peak, and uh, we look around, and the scenery is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Here's a little shot of Mary and I, and, and uh, I think she's actually got one of those world-famous donuts in hand. Let me tell you, they are not famous from a taste perspective. I'm just going to say that right now. They may be famous for other reasons, but they weren't the tastiest donuts I've ever had. So it's cold. We spend some time walking around, but the scenery is absolutely beautiful. And then all of a sudden, just like that, we hear over the intercom that we have to come inside and get on the cog rail and start heading back down the mountain. Strong winds were coming into the area, and the rangers said that we can't be there. As we're heading down, I was reflecting on that time, and there were a couple of things that emerged in my mind. The first was this. The mountaintops, the peaks of mountains, in fact, are places where we have an awesome view. But they're also places of danger. They are real places of danger. The second thing that caught my attention was this. That a mountaintop may give you a sense of awe and majesty. But at some point, we've got to come back down into real life. We can't live life with mountaintop experiences. Just think what would have happened with Moses if he would have stayed on the mountaintop and not brought down the Ten Commandments. Jesus was transfigured on a mountaintop, and then he walked down the mountain into Calvary. At some point, when we have these mountaintop experiences, we have to bring them down and apply them to daily life. In other words, you can't leave the mountaintop on the mountaintop. You're missing something if that's what you do. If what you do is leave the mountaintop on the mountaintop. You want to bring that down into daily life. So today we begin a journey in mountaintops. And I'm inviting you into that journey. I'm inviting you to experience the power and the presence of God in these mountaintops of Scripture, these peaks of Scripture. But then I also want to deeply encourage you not to leave the mountaintop on the mountaintop, but take it down into your daily life and apply it to your faith journey. As you enter today, you should have received one of these little booklets. I'm going to encourage you to take it out right now. If you turn to pages four or five in that booklet, you'll find where we start this journey. We're going to begin on Mount Nebo, pages four or five. There's some sermon notes available there for you. And let me just give you a backstory to Mount Nebo. If you journey back um, to the time that the Israelites were in captivity in the land of Egypt, God raised up a man by the name of Moses. And Moses was called to lead the Israelites, God's people, out of slavery and into freedom and ultimately into a promised land. Through a series of miracles, God actually works and, and turns Pharaoh's heart and allows the people to be set free. He parts the Red Sea. They cross over and they begin this journey. God gives them the Ten Commandments and ultimately he leads them to the southern side of what we now know as the Holy Land, the land of Israel. And God says, I want you to go in and take this Holy Land. Moses says, okay. We're going to send some spies into the Holy Land first to check it out. 
And when they go in from the south side of this holy land, they encounter some remarkable things. There's amazing agriculture. There's bundles of grapes the size of smart cars. This is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's absolutely astounding. But there's also something else. There's some really big people. And they're strong people. And they're resilient people. And so the spies come back. There's 12 of them in total. And the spies look at Moses and the other leaders and they say, we went in and we saw this agricultural wonder, a land flowing with milk and honey, bundles of grapes the size of smart cars. It's absolutely amazing. But we saw something else. We saw people that are large, gigantic. They're huge. They're muscular. They're strong. And I don't think we can beat them. All the spies said that except two, Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb, these young bucks, said, I think we can take them. I really do. But the leaders at that time said, nope, we're not going in because we're afraid. God gets really angry. I mean, he gets really angry with the people. Because they won't go in and take the land because they're afraid. They won't step into his promise because they're afraid. It begs a question, doesn't it? A really good question. Have you ever not stepped into God's promise because you're afraid? I think most of us have at some point or another in life. We've been hesitant to take that step into God's promise because of of fear. Well, with the Israelites, God was not happy. He wanted to separate himself completely from them. Moses stands in the gap for them. It's not the first time. It won't be the last time that Moses does so. And ultimately, God relents. But here's what he says. He honors Joshua and Caleb. And in Numbers 14, he speaks these words. He says, Not one of you will enter the land that I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, Son of none. None of you are going into the land, into this promise that I have for you, because of your fear. And in fact, instead, what's going to happen is I'm going to send you back out into the wilderness. In other words, their fear drove the Israelites out into the wilderness. They spend 40 years in the wilderness. This begs another really good question. Have you ever experienced wilderness in your life? Anybody here today who's in the wilderness, right now, today, wondering what God is doing, where you're going, how you're going to get there, wandering aimlessly, questioning what's actually transpiring in life? Anybody here today in the wilderness? If you are, let me just share a little something with you, something that's been important in my life at those wilderness times, and pastors experience wilderness times too. One of the things that's been important comes from the very earliest days of my recovery journey. And it's a simple acronym. You may have seen it before. It's called HOW, H-O-W. And whenever I find myself in those wilderness times, I go back to this acronym, H-O-W, and I do this point of reflection, H, honesty. Am I being completely honest about where I'm at and how I got here? Secondly, open-mindedness. Am I open to the things of God. 
And finally, willingness. When I hear God's voice, when I hear his call, am I willing to take a step in? Am I willing to take a step in to his promise? Honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. So the Israelites are in this wilderness experience. 40 years passes. And after 40 years, they find themselves once again prepared to enter the promised land. But this time from a different location. The original location was on the south side of the land. This time they're going to be entering the land from the east side of the land. A place called Mount Nebo. And while they're there, there's a couple of things that transpire. Number one, Moses dies and so they, Moses passes off the mantle of leadership to a guy by the name of Joshua. So now Joshua is faced with leading the Israelites into the promised land. There they are, Mount Nebo. And when you look for Mount Nebo, it's a remarkable thing. And here's what you see. Now take a look at this. You're looking at from Mount Nebo across the northern part of the Dead Sea. And what does it look like? Desert. Wasteland. Literally, that's what it looks like. They don't call it the Dead Sea for nothing. I mean, there's nothing around there. This really struck me a number of years ago. We were in Israel on a, on a trip, and we were standing on the west side of the Dead Sea, and the tour guide looked at me and said, he pointed across the Dead Sea, and he said, do you know what that is? And I said, no. I said that, he said, that little rise over there. I said, no, I don't know what that is. He said, it's Mount Nebo. And I looked around and all there was was rocks and like North Dakota Badlands land. I mean, it was, why would I fight for this? It was crazy. Absolutely crazy. So that's what the Israelites were seeing when they're looking across into this promised land. They're seeing two things. They're seeing this rocky desert land and they're seeing a fortress called Jericho up in the highlands. That's what they see. The last time they saw agriculture, a land flowing with milk and honey, bundles of grapes the size of smart cars. They saw this majestic place that they could go into and take the land, God's promise. And now they're looking at rocky ground and a fortress where they know there's going to be a battle. That's where we pick up the story. So if you've got your Bible, open with me to the book of Joshua in the first chapter. Book of Joshua in the very first chapter. Moses has handed off the mantle now to Joshua. After the death of Moses, this is verse 1, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then... You and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. This is your promise. This is your promise. So there they are. God is calling them to go in and take what he has promised them. Receive what he has promised them. And as they're looking over, all they're seeing is rocky ground and a battle to fight. Now let's think about this for a moment. The Israelites have journeyed for 40 years. 
They've watched their loved ones live and die in the desert. A whole generation has passed. And now God is calling them to go into this place that's, that's rocky and desolate and desert-like. And, and they, they know that they're going to have to fight. They know that some of them are going to lose their lives. There they are, right at the threshold of God's promise. And frankly, as they look over into the promise, it doesn't look any better than where they've been. But that's where God's calling them. And I got to tell you what, when we're on the threshold of new life, quite often it doesn't look any better. In fact, sometimes it looks more challenging than where we've been. And it's that point in time where we go... Boy, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go there. It looks like some rocky ground and some battles to fight. I don't know if I want to step into that. It might be just easier to go back out into the wilderness. Let's make this really practical. Let's talk about four different things. Number one, just, just think about, imagine the whole idea of stepping into the promised land. What the Israelites would have thought They imagined a land flowing with milk and honey. What they came up against was rocky ground and battles to fight. And yet that's where God's promise was. Now apply that same imagination to the promised land of marriage. We enter marriage and we've got this imagination. Life is going to be good. We're going to be united forever. Romance will never leave us. We'll be best friends all the days of our lives. And then all of a sudden comes that Mount Nebo moment. And you recognize that you have some differences. You spend money differently. You've got different priorities in life. Feelings go up and down. Kids come into play. Sleep deprivation occurs. And you begin recognizing that there's some rocky ground to cross and some battles to fight if you're really going to step into the promise of marriage. Let's think about the The imagination surrounding the promised land of health. You see that advertisement on TV. And I'm I'm pretty sure that 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 little diet pill can deliver the ripped abs and the firm buttocks that it it promises. I'm pretty sure it can do that. I'm pretty sure that that I can eat fast food and everything will be okay. And then comes that Mount Nebo moment. And it's different for everyone. That pair of jeans that used to slip on really nicely, now you got to do this to get them on. You come out of the shower one day and you look in the mirror and you go, (laughs) and for some it's more serious than that. Your doctor says, you got to stop living this way. You're going to die. You get a personal trainer thinking that you can get this taken care of and In a month or so, and the personal trainer says, yeah, you know what? Your goals are going to take you about a year. You go to that first workout, you can't get out of bed in the morning because you're so sore. There is not an ounce of malt powder in your house, no licorice, no chips, nothing. And you recognize there's some rocky ground to cross and some battles to fight. How about the imagination surrounding the promised land of financial security? Yeah, you know what, we'll get to that 
next time. We'll get to that tomorrow. We're going we're gonna to live on, on credit for a bit of time. We're going to get the bigger house and the nicer car, and we're going to upgrade our, our iPhones on a regular basis. And, and if we spend enough, somehow we'll be able to buy happiness. We'll be able to buy our way into the promise somehow or another. And then all of a sudden comes that Mount Nebo moment. For many of us, that Mount Nebo moment has occurred when we've taken a course like Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey or some other financial course. And all of a sudden you go, whoa, this is not good. And all of a sudden, that daily Starbucks has to come off the table and you're selling stuff out of your garage and and down in your basement so that you can pay down your debt. And you're having to look at your kids when they want and they want and they want and they want. And you have to say, no, we're not going that direction. And it's about at this point in time that you recognize that you and and your spouse and your family have a real different understanding of priorities and spending habits, which is a whole other set of questions. The point is, there's some rocky ground to cross and some battles to fight. How about this? The imagination around the promised land of just being accepted. This is especially true for, for middle schoolers, high schoolers, college age, but it's, but it's true for all of us as well. We've all experienced it at some point or another in life. If I could just have that one person like me, that group of people like me on Facebook or Instagram or, or Snapchat so that I could be a part of the group, a part of the club with the popular people, if I could just go there and, and all of a sudden we start spending our resources so that we can find acceptance and we begin giving up our values so that we can be accepted and then we end up paying this price because we recognize that you can't buy acceptance. And those friends that we thought we once had that that were really there to accept us while we were spending money and while we were giving up our values aren't there anymore. Now we've got to deal with all of the internal conflicts surrounding the giving up of those values and the spending of those resources and not being accepted. And there's some deep identity issues that have to be addressed. And there's some rocky ground to cross, some battles to fight. We've all had those. God's promise is out there. And we want to step into God's promise. And we recognize that that if we're going to step into God's promise, it's both gift and challenge. It's both invitation and challenge in our lives. That's where the Israelites are. That's where Joshua is. He's looking out into the promised land. He sees rocky ground and he sees Jericho off in the distance, a battle to fight. And it's at that point, that Mount Nebo moment, that, that Joshua has to make a choice. Am I going to step into God's promise? Am I going to step across the River Jordan? Or am I not? You see, there's, there's two sides to Mount Nebo. There's a side of the promise and there's the side of the wilderness. And it would have been just as easy for Joshua and the Israelites to step back into the wilderness. In fact, that's what I've watched happen so many times in people's lives. They get to that Mount Nebo moment, the opportunity to step into God's promise. Yeah, no, we're not going to go there. I don't want to deal with the rocky ground. I don't want to deal with the battles. I'm going back into the wilderness. Friend, if you're there today, let me encourage you. Do not go back to the wilderness. 
step into the promise of God. When we're at that point, at that Mount Nebo moment, and we're looking out into the promise, we have to remember the grace of Jesus Christ. Because it's at exactly that threshold, exactly that place, where Jesus Christ and his grace, his resurrection power, comes to meet our lives in the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. And he says, step into my promise. It's there for you. It's waiting for you. Receive it by grace through faith. It is all yours. Just step into the promise. Would you please? Now, importantly, for Joshua, grace came in a little different form. Jesus had not yet been born. He had not died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. He had not yet been raised from the dead. And so grace comes in a different form. It comes in God speaking into him as he stands at that Mount Nebo moment looking over into the promised land. And there's three things that the Lord brings to Joshua and that he brings out to everybody else, all of the Israelites, all of the people who are standing there with him. Let's just talk about those for just a moment. Three things. The first is this. Godly vision. Godly vision. So often when you're standing at Mount Nebo and you're looking out and there's rocky ground and there's battles to fight and you know that it's there, we lose sight of the vision of God. So God brings Joshua back and Joshua brings the people back. Verses two through four, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised. Your territory will extend from the desert to the Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. Remember the vision. If you're at one of those Mount Nebo moments in your marriage, remember the vision of love. And of covenant. If you're at one of those Mount Nebo moments with your physical health, remember the vision that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. If you're at one of those Mount Nebo moments, when it comes to your finances, remember that our God is a God of abundance. And he calls us to be good stewards of all that he gives to us. If you're at one of those Mount Nebo moments in terms of acceptance, remember that the Lord loves you right where you are. And through Jesus Christ, his death on the cross and the resurrection to new life, he gives you a new identity as his son, as his daughter. That's the vision for your life. Godly vision. The second thing that he gives, godly strength, or my mistake, godly motivation or a godly attitude Verses 7 and 8, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Be motivated from the word of God. Carry the attitude of the word of God into every single situation in life as you step into the promise of God. And finally... Godly vision, godly motivation or attitude. Finally, godly strength. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Godly vision, godly motivation, godly strength. All three are divine gifts of grace for those who stand at those Mount Nebo moments looking out at rocky ground and battles to fight as they step into the promise of God. Are you there today? 
Do you know anybody who is? As you're pondering the significance of those for your life, let me just share with you a little story from my life where I had one of those Mount Nebo moments. Back in 1994, I was at my very first call in church in upstate New York. I had served that church for about four years. And um, after four years of ministry, working really hard, uh, about 70 hours a week, it was, there was a lot of exciting stuff going on. I got drawn into the excitement, and so I was just putting in hour upon hour upon hour. Um, we were in a place where there was no family, gave birth to our very first son, Bjorn, and then our second son, Christian, and so now we're a new family. Four years of just running hard, and I'm burned out. I mean, I'm fried. And I don't know what the Lord has out in front of me. I mean, I'm at that questioning moment. There was a, a, a series down in Philadelphia called the Preaching with Power Forums. My sister lived in Philadelphia, so I decided to go down and take some educational time just to get away because I, I just had to get away from the ministry and kind of reorient life. And so I went and spent some time with my sister. And, and we went to some of these Preaching with Power Forums where they brought the best African-American preachers from around the nation in to these churches in Philadelphia. And on one of the evenings, one of the preachers was speaking at, at an African-American Pentecostal church up on the north side of Philadelphia. Now, the north side of Philadelphia is a pretty rough place. It's a pretty rough part of town. My sister and I decided to go up there to check this place out. And, and we grew up out in western Minnesota, you know, kind of traditional Lutheran, Norwegian environments. And, and we go walking into this church and we're going, what is this? You have to be kidding me. I mean, the band was up in front, and, and the choir was swaying, and they're singing, and they're praising the Lord, and, and they're just cranking things out, and people are jumping up and down, and my sister and I are looking at each other going, oh boy, <laughs> I don't know about this. I mean, you, you guys, we walk into this place, and, and we literally were the, the only white folk in this entire church. And, and we come from a Lutheran tradition, Western Minnesota, and this is nothing like we've ever experienced before. You remember uh, the, old, the old Sesame Street game, one of these things is not like the other? This is it right here. This is a no-brainer. This is an easy win. One of these things is not like the other. And so we're watching this happen, and we're just looking at each other going, you have to be kidding me. What do we get ourselves into? But, but something compelled us to stay. The next thing we know, we see people getting up and, and starting to run around the sanctuary. I mean, literally running around the sanctuary. And then they're up and they're, they're falling down. I came to know later that it was being slain in the spirit. And I'm going, whoa, this is just pushing it maybe a little too far. The preacher stands up. He invites everybody to sit down. There's this buzz in the room. And the preacher starts talking about hope. Now he's got my attention. And he starts talking about the Apostle Paul and, and his travel to Rome and, and the shipwreck on the island of Malta. And he starts talking about how the Apostle Paul, in the midst of that very difficult situation, was, was proclaiming godly vision and, and godly motivation and godly strength to the sailors who, who just wanted to give up. And, and no, he's proclaiming to them. And then he looks out. And he says, do you need hope today? Holy Spirit came rushing in in a powerful way. I got tears running down my face. He said, if you need hope, I want to invite you to 
take a step of faith. All of you who need hope, would you please just stand up right now and step toward the altar of God. Come up for prayer. The next thing I know, I'm up out of my seat and I'm trying to get by my sister who's right next to me. She's looking up at me going, what are you doing? God had a hold of my heart. I had lost the promise of hope. And the Lord just said, Pear, step into it. It's here. It's yours. It's a free gift. Receive it. I don't know where you're at today, but I'm guessing that some of you are at that Mount Nebo moment and you got a choice to make going back to the wilderness or taking a step of faith. And in that step of faith, there's hope there for you and there's wisdom for you and there's grace for you and there's healing for you and there's encouragement for you all because of the promise of God and the person of Jesus Christ for you. As we close today, I'm gonna, I want to just pray for you. I want to pray for honesty and open-mindedness and willingness. I want to pray for godly vision, godly motivation, godly strength. And at the end of that prayer, I'm going to invite you to do something. If you're here today and you're at one of those Mount Nebo moments, I'm going to, I'm going to invite you to, to just do a little act that says, yes, Lord, I'm going to step into your promise right where you're at. When I reach that point in the prayer, I'm going to just invite you to take your foot and take a step forward just right where you're at. Just a small little step forward. It doesn't need to be a big step. Just to say, God, I'm stepping into your promise and I need your help today. Let's stand together, shall we? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promise that you make all things new that you bring healing and wholeness to our, our bodies, that you bring restoration to our relationships, that you identify us as your children so that we don't have to pay our way to be accepted by others. We ask, Heavenly Father, that your gifts of grace would pour out. We pray, O oh Lord, our God, that, that as we stand here at our Mount Nebo moment, that number one, you would... You would give us honesty to honestly acknowledge the situation that we're in. That you, O oh God, would give us open-mindedness to see a whole new reality in front of us. And that finally, God, you would give us willingness to take a step. God, fill us with godly vision and with godly motivation and with godly strength as we prepare to take that step into new life, into a new reality. Friend, if you're here today and, and this is a Mount Nebo time for you, I want to invite you right now, just on the count of three, just simply lift up your foot and take a small step forward. One, two, three. Lord, honor the step that these individuals have taken. Bless them with an abundance of your mercy. Remind them of your never-failing love as they move from mountain to valley in life, as they take the steps that they don't know where they will go. They don't know exactly the direction. They see rocky ground and battles to fight. Remind them each and every day of your never-failing love and your promise for their life. Thank you, Lord, 
We pray it all in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Let's worship the Lord, shall we?